Hello, my name is Josh and I'm one of the Associate Ministers here at Christchurch. We're going to look more closely at that passage that was just read for us in a moment, but as has become our custom here at Online Church, I'm going to just talk over a short interlude when you at home, if you need to, can get your children occupied or make yourselves comfortable. While you do that, I'm just going to explain what we're doing here in an obscure chapter in Daniel 10 on the first week of Advent, when we should be looking at the birth of Jesus in the manger. Well, that's because we've been doing the book of Daniel right since September, because Daniel constantly finds himself in an unfamiliar situation, far from home and far from normal, having to navigate his way through an uncertain future, just like we are. And so we've called this series Mad World. Daniel's world is a mad world, and at times it feels like Ours is too. But we've been looking through Daniel and finding that there's loads of stuff here to strengthen us and comfort us and encourage us. It doesn't tell us that bright days are just around the corner, but it does tell us that even if there aren't, there is still a God in heaven who we can trust and a God in heaven who looks down on us and who stoops down to touch us. In fact, we're going to hear about that in today's passage. And it tells us that there is a way to live, a wise way to live in amongst the uncertainty that we face. We follow in Daniel's footsteps and we hope in God's promises for the future. Well, we're going to cover a lot of that in today's passage. I hope you're back. I'm going to start off by praying for us. Dear Father, Father of Daniel and God of the world, you have spoken to Daniel and to us, words that will help us through, words that will not only help us make it through, but words that will help us glorify you and see your kingdom come, even when we are caught off balance. So Father, we pray that as we open Daniel chapter 10 this morning, you will speak. Your spirit would be with me as I speak and with everybody, wherever they are listening, whenever they are listening, that we would hear your voice and learn to know you and trust you and live for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I came across an interesting observation recently that people of my age or the generation older, we would tend to have looked to find a job or a career for the rest of our lives in a job that will make us the most money. Whereas Generally speaking, people my age or younger, or maybe from 35 to 25, are people who would want a job or a career somewhere where they'll be happy. But even now, there's been another change in the last five or so years, that people coming of age and graduating in the last five years have actually said that they want a job or a career where they will make a difference. And I don't think that's just a generational thing. I think it's always been there, but people are articulating it a lot now. Because it's true that as human beings, there is something inside of us that wants to make a difference. We're not happy being driftward, going with the flow. But deep down, we really want to be part of something that will make a real difference in the biggest things that matter the most. Just look at some examples in the world around us. Uh, There are campaigns 
to make a difference that then go viral. Just so, for example, Captain Tom has been raising money for the NHS to make a big difference in some of the biggest things that really matter. And the rise of crowdfunding pages where somebody can take their small project to make a difference and get support and make it large scale. And we've even seen a lot of attention in the last nine months or so on a lot of the protests that have been going on in our country and around the world. Protests about climate change, about Black Lives Matter and how the pandemic's been handled. And all of those things just show that we are a people who deeply want to be a part of something that makes a difference, leaves a legacy, makes a mark on the big things that really matter. But we always run up against this tension that there's only actually so much we can do, especially when you uh, take a step back. Most of us individually don't even have enough power to influence our country, let alone the world, let alone make a mark on the course of history. When you take a step back and think of the world and history, well, surely you and I aren't going to be part of anything that, that really makes much of a difference, are we? Well, we're in the book of Daniel this morning, and Daniel has been having, up to now, he's been having dreams and visions that are from that perspective, the world and history. And Daniel's been learning about the world's superpowers of the time. And he's been learning that from God's perspective, well, they will one day crumble. And long after Daniel has died, there will be another ruler, another king, another emperor, another empire, another global superpower. And long after they've died, there's going to be another global superpower. And kingdoms will keep coming and keep coming. But what's Daniel going to do with all that information? What difference is Daniel going to possibly make? History is going to rumble on with or without Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 10, that we're going to see this morning, we find Daniel as an example of a person who in light of all of that information about history rumbling on, he orients his life towards small and faithful things. And as he does that, he, get a glimpse, he gets a glimpse behind the curtain at a much bigger reality that shows that his small and faithful actions are actually part of something cosmic, which makes a real difference in the very biggest things that matter, the story of history. And Daniel is part of it. And we're going to see that Daniel is an example for people like you and me. Small people, ordinary people, people of no consequence, but people who can pray. And people who struggle and find weakness everywhere we go. And yet, as we're going to see, who are strengthened by God's touch. So we can take our part in God's cosmic plan. Let's find out how that works in Daniel chapter 10. And first, we're going to see war behind the curtain. War behind the curtain. Now, we've used this picture in the past to help us understand the Bible's uh, view of the world. This picture is a picture of the White House Situation Room. And it's a picture for us of two connected worlds. Now, outside of the Situation Room, there's the world of the soldier. The soldier is, is down on the ground, they're in the battlefield, and every soldier has their own specific 
job to do. The information they get is a need-to-know basis, and every day they face the dangers and the obstacles of completing the, their one part of the mission. And then there's another world. There's the world of the Situation Room. It's totally different. They dress differently, they speak differently, but it's totally connected. The job of the people in here isn't to do one particular job down on the ground and pull the trigger. The job here is to have all the information, not on a need-to-know basis, but all of it spread out in front of them at the push of a button. They can see all of the military units, all the parts of the puzzle, and from there they manage all the tiny tasks of everything that's going on to push it all towards one huge goal. Now, if a soldier goes into the Situation Room, well, there'd be all kinds of diagrams and charts and jargon that they just simply wouldn't understand. It's, it's completely alien and confusing. And that's okay, but it's not irrelevant. In fact, what goes on in the Situation Room is hugely important for what goes on in the world of the soldier. Well, in that picture, Daniel is in the world of the soldier. And he's been getting a glimpse into the Situation Room. In fact, in verse 1 of today's passage, we're already told that he's, uh, he's already had a glimpse. He's already had a vision. Uh, we don't get any information about that. But in verse 4, there seems to be another one on its way because uh, in verse 5, he meets this extraordinary messenger who's come from behind the curtain to bring him a message. Let's have a look at this messenger, verses 5 and 6. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Ufaz round his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Well, just as you and I can't really fully understand all the technical charts and diagrams in the Situation Room, so the description of this messenger is, is pretty confusing. Well, we know that his linen clothes are possibly a reference to the kind of clothes a priest would wear, so maybe he's come from God's presence. And the thing that links most of the things in this description together are that he's bright, he's shining, he's radiant. But much about him is mysterious. But we do get the interesting detail of where he's come from and why he's here now. Because he says in verse 11, he's been sent to Daniel. Verse 12, at the end of verse 12, you'll see these come in response to Daniel's words. And yet in verse 13, we're told that from being sent to him actually arriving today, he's been delayed for three weeks. Why? Well, here's where we get a glimpse behind the curtain. He says he's been resisted by the prince of Persia. Now, this word prince in, in vision literature like this quite probably means a spiritual power rather than an actual human being person. You'll see that in verse 14 and verse 21. It refers to Michael as a prince, but we know from elsewhere in the Bible he's an angel. So this messenger is revealing that he's come from behind the curtain, but he hasn't come from 
The world behind the curtain of the Situation Room with walled panels and empty Starbucks cups and computer screens. No, behind the curtain there is a cosmic battleground. It's an unseen battlefield where God's messengers and angels are, are waging war. They're fighting against spiritual princes, spiritual powers that lie behind the evil systems and the corrupt rulers in the world. He mentions that at the end, verse 20, partway through, he says, soon I, I will go and fight against the prince of Persia. And after I go, the prince of Greece will come. Now, here's the really striking thing about this. That this gleaming messenger from this cosmic battlefield behind the curtain, his priority right now is not to be out fighting spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, but he left the battlefield to come and speak to an ordinary chap, a lowly man, Daniel. He's been desperate to leave there for three weeks so that he can come and bring this message for Daniel and to encourage him. And it seems that visiting Daniel at this point is more important in all of God's plan for history behind the curtain. Visiting Daniel is more important than getting this messenger back out in the battlefield. Now that information, that glimpse behind the curtain was given to Daniel and it's written down for us. Because if you're a Christian, then you ought to know that there is war behind the curtain. In a realm that we can't see, but is nevertheless there and intimately connected with our world, spiritual forces are at work. And yet, yet, God has chosen to involve us on our side of the curtain. In the midst of this war behind the curtain, God still thinks it's important that we get to hear what he's revealed. Because it's important to God that we know that so that we can be involved. Our part to play is not insignificant. God is choosing to send a man off the battlefield to speak to Daniel because the thing that we do on our side of the curtain is important. God uses us to war against evil. How does he do that? Well, that's the next thing. Because being part of that, joining in with what God is doing in world history, is actually more than we can handle. Because as well as being about war behind the curtain, Daniel 10 is about weakness on the ground. Weakness on the ground. Because I don't know if you've noticed that in this chapter, more often than not, Daniel is found in a heap on the floor. Take a step back, look at the passage. It's a bit of a weird passage, right? Here's a messenger from heaven, and he's come to Daniel. We want to know his message from verse 6 onwards. Who is this man and what's he got to say? But we don't actually get the message until chapter 11, because Daniel is struggling so much. He says in verse 8, so I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep. 
my face to the ground. Now the messenger has to help him up, and after telling him that he's come to bring this message, Daniel flops to the floor again. Verse 15. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. And even when he can speak, verse 16, I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord. And I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. And I can hardly breathe. <laughs> Isn't it odd that when the book of Daniel was written down, Daniel didn't want to say, oh, I had this vision. Yeah, I remember it. Chapter 11. I've got this vision. So I was, there I was standing beside the river and I saw the gleaming man come to me. And here's the message he gave me. But Daniel decides not to jump straight to the message, the bit that we think we might want to hear from the messenger. Daniel chooses to include in the book of Daniel, in his part of the Bible, he chooses to include all this business about him collapsing. But you know, it is only odd if, if we miss the gravity and majesty of the situation the gravity of having God speak to us, of having God respond to our prayers by bringing us into the plan he has for the world. Being part of something that makes a big difference in the things that really matter. <laughs> Did you know that's more than we can handle? It's only odd if we think that God has this plan to use the smart and confident in his plan for the universe. There's a theologian and a writer from last century called A.W. Tozer, and he writes about this passage. The Bible was written in tears, and to tears it will yield its best treasures. God has nothing to say to the frivolous man. See, there's a gravity about hearing from God that, that we are just not going to get unless we see it illustrated in seeing a man like Daniel embarrassingly fall on his face, overcome with weakness and anguish. That's how serious, that's how grave it is to be part of God's plan. Now, we've mentioned before in this series that Daniel is the model of a wise man. And, and this arresting struggle of his is, is part of that wise life. Uh, he's involved in it. The reason we're told is verse 12, 12. The messenger, the visitor says, Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them. This wise life of God pursuing, praying humility, it does make Daniel an important agent, this side of the curtain. And now God is responding to his prayers and he chooses to use him in his cosmic plan. But to the wise, God pursuing, praying, humble man who recognises the gravity of the situation, that, that's more than he can take. 
And he pleads with God that he's empty and he's spent. There's weakness on the ground. But that's exactly how God chooses to play out his purposes this side of the curtain. Not by sending in angelic forces and not by using the smart and confident, upwardly mobile celebrity influences, but by using the nobody men and women who quietly pray, who have quietly set their minds on knowing him and who humble themselves and who, when you look at them, they're found weak and exhausted before God. So if you've been following our series through the book of Daniel, and if you've been finding some of these truths hard, the truths that uh, if there is a God, there is a God who's in charge of everything, and yet he has decreed that our world, in our world, there will be kingdoms and powers which are unjust, cruel, animal kingdoms. If that is hard for you, and yet you're still living quietly, faithfully, humbly, and prayerfully, all the way through upheaval and turmoil. And that is just draining you. And if, if you come to these revelations in Daniel and you simply don't even know what we're meant to do with this information, because there's not a blind bit of difference we can make, well, you're somewhere near where Daniel is right now. <laughs> and God will hear your prayers. And he responds and he chooses to use you. Because as well as there being weakness on the ground, in fact, because there's weakness on the ground, there's also strength in the touch. Strength in the touch. Because Daniel's account of this vision isn't just a witness to this overwhelming gravity. Because of that, it's also a testament to the this comfort and strengthening power of God's messenger. Uh, you know, we, we still see these days um, adverts for things like weight loss or weight loss programs or diets or exercise classes or gyms and that type of thing. They never just tell you that this works. They never just tell you that it's possible to get into shape or weight loss is, is possible. But there's almost always the testimonial, isn't there, from somebody who, has, who stresses just how bad a condition they were in before. And that's not so that you have sympathy with them or give them the kudos for going through all they've done. But their testimony to their, their weakness and their struggle is actually a testimony to the strength and potential of this exercise class or this gym or whatever it is. And Daniel chapter 10 records all this anguish and weakness of Daniel's, not so that we hold up Daniel then as our hero, although he is an example to us. He's not the hero. We see his weakness so that we can learn as we read it just what incredible transforming power there is in the touch from the God who strengthens him. In this passage, Daniel is touched three times and strengthened so that he can face this message. And it transforms him from a quivering wreck to a man who can stand ready to go his way and serve God faithfully. But each time Daniel describes it as a human touch. That's interesting. 
This wall behind the curtain, the gravity and the awesomeness of hearing from God can make God seem distant. The king of the universe orchestrating history from the situation room in heaven. But Daniel's weakness here is strengthened by something near, not distant. His emptiness is filled by the hand of a human, not an angel. The God who rules those spiritual forces in the cosmos is also the God who comes to our side of the curtain to extend his hand, to pick us up from the ground and fill us up where we're empty and strengthen us where we're weak. And that's because this side of the curtain matters. In fact, it's on this side of the curtain that God's plan is eventually played out. It's on this side of the curtain that the war eventually gets won. It's won the next time in the Bible. We hear those words of comfort from verse 19. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Daniel's the wise man, living humbly, faithfully and prayerfully. But it's not in his lifetime that God acts decisively in this war. After him, more human beings come and follow him in the wise life. And eventually, another angel comes to visit the faithful, quiet, humble, prayerful woman. And says to her, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. When Gabriel speaks to Mary to usher in the coming of God to this side of the curtain. That's Christmas, that's Advent. And this is why we make such a fuss about Christmas every year. It's why churches are bustling with activity and we're desperate to both celebrate and tell people the news. It's such a big deal to us, not just because God has come down to us to touch us with a human hand because he's near. It's not just because he reaches out to strengthen us, to bring us into his cosmic plan, but because In Jesus, the human, God would fulfill and complete the cosmic plan. It was a human, this side of the curtain, Jesus, who defeated the princes of the spiritual world once and for all. His death on the cross disarmed any power of condemnation that the spiritual forces have. And his resurrection from the dead destroyed the only threat they have, death. And ever since Jesus, this war behind the curtain has been nothing but skirmishes uh, between God's kingdom and the dying, waning, conquered powers of evil. And having conquered, Jesus rose back up to heaven. And when we next glimpse behind the curtain in the Bible, we see Jesus and he appears like Daniel's gleaming messenger. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus has linen clothes, a golden sash, flaming eyes and feet like burnished bronze. For exhausted Daniel, back then, he finds strength in the touch of the human hand of his gleaming messenger. And that gets him on his feet to listen, to understand and to live faithfully. But for us, well, we find strength 
in the touch of our gleaming man, the conquering and victorious Jesus. God doesn't step into our weakness and offer us a vision. We don't have a vision of Jesus. We've got a real historical man, flesh and blood. And we're invited to come empty to him as we live faithfully in his world. We can come empty and be strengthened. So when we follow wise Daniel in prayerful, humble, faithful living, and when we do that and take seriously the gravity of hearing from God and that drains us and we find ourselves weak and exhausted and nothing but inadequate before God, when we feel unable to play any part in making any difference in anything that really matters, well, then we are called to turn our eyes and find our strength in Jesus. It's in the, the strength of his touch that we can then stand on our feet and face this mad world in such a way that we do those small and faithful and quiet things that build his kingdom and build his church against the dying spiritual princes behind our mad world. So perhaps, perhaps you're exhausted. Perhaps you're exhausted trying to make sense of all this. We've seen in Daniel 10, his, his experience is intense. And this grand picture is big and theological. And maybe having been listening to me all this time, you're on the verge of what Daniel was doing in verse 9. You're on the verge of falling into a deep sleep. You wouldn't be the first. So let me tell you what all of this means for you today and tomorrow. Fast forward to chapter 12. Um, chapters 10, 11 and 12 are all one section and they end in chapter 12. And Daniel at the end of chapter 12, he just wants to know what we want to know. So what? He asks in chapter 12, verse 8, what will the outcome of all this be? And the answer he gets in verses 9 and 13 is, go on your way. In other words, yes, we are called in this chapter to know that there is war behind the curtain and take our part in God's cosmic plan. And yes, the life of trusting in Jesus and walking faithfully in his world is a life of spiritual warfare. Yes, Jesus picks us up on our feet and enables us to face it, but it doesn't climax in this big spiritual super battle or victories like that. No, the part of God's plan that we play, that we are strengthened for, is to go our way. To go our way in this quiet, faithful, prayerful and humble life. Just like Daniel oriented his whole life in response to the grand visions of God's plan, he oriented his life to, to praying, to, to humbling himself, mourning for sin. That's Daniel's example of wisdom and that's, that's what we do next. But we've seen in Daniel 10 that by doing that seriously and relentlessly, it, it can become more than we can handle. Because we wrestle with God's word and that's tough. And we wrestle with the evils in the world around us. And yet the overwhelmed Christian finds strength in the touch of the God come near, our gleaming man, Jesus. And he picks us up to go on, to go on our way, 
listening, praying, understanding. So go on your way. Don't give up praying in your prayer triplets or quads or your pods. Don't give up praying in mission prayer or prayer and praise. Don't give up pleading with God for mercy for our world. Don't give up listening to God, tuning in to online sermons or coming face to face. Don't give up reading his word. And don't give up spreading the news of God's kingdom. Don't give up going on your way. And don't give up that faithfulness in the small secret things because God hears your prayers and comes to you in response to them and uses your weakness so that he can show his strength and build his kingdom this side of the curtain. And that, that is playing our part in something that makes a real difference in the biggest things that really matter. Let's pray. Father, much of Daniel's experience here is so alien to us and we want to repent of, of losing our sense of gravity and awe before you. Lord, we want to know you, to listen to you, to pray to you. Strengthen us, please, to carry on. Strengthen us to go our way. Lord, get, let us not lose that vision that, that you have a grand plan for the world. Jesus has conquered and won and with his strength, we can go on building your kingdom. Lord, help us not lose that vision and to, that we might be strengthened to go our way. But we pray that in all of this, we would set our eyes and our hope on our gleaming man, the conquered, a conquering, risen, victorious Jesus. And that through his touch, we'll be strengthened to live quietly and faithfully in your world. And we ask in his name. Amen.